Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as running on the music and night highs. I host hashtag Amplify Now for at This Is Amplify, editor at projectu.tv. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Nick Kelly. Hey! Hello, Nick. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? I suppose I introduce myself as Nick Kelly, and I kind of like to let the story unravel from there. What do you mean by let the story unravel? Well, I kind of like, I don't like to kind of talk about the things that I do in the the work world and the career world. I kind of just let people ask me questions and gradually let them build my story. Reasonably so. You're a very busy dude, though. How do you have any other time than your work world? <laughs> it's interesting, man. I, um, I've recently started to, to put a bit more of an effort into having a bit of a social life. Um, because over the past few months, I've just been working so much that it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's gone on the back burner and I've focused on, um, yeah, work and then and a bit of sleep every now and then has been useful. Um, <laughs> but I've been trying to, I've been trying to just like drink a lot of water occasionally. Yes. Like one day a week, I'll drink enough water and the rest of the days I'll drink like half a glass. <laughs> one day a week. <laughs> yeah. I need my one day a week of feeling healthy and then the rest of the days I can, I can you know, be a bit of a pleb around the place. Um, but Is, please. I just kind of, you know, I try, and, I try and not let myself get tired and not let my body take over my mind and I kind of just try and push through and it, yeah, it helps. Is that acknowledgement of your up and down dietary requirements, a reflection of the fact that you, you know, are so busy that you just don't have time to look after yourself. That That's the case, man. Like I, my, my life is very, very up in the air and I love it in some ways. I love that, you know, no day is the same as the last one. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, my biggest, la- my biggest fear in life is instability, but my biggest thing that I have is instability as well. So it's a hard balance to get. And, and in that, you know, I, I think I probably put my health and my diet, you know, to the back burner and I kind of focus on just getting through each day as it is and push, putting the most into it. What, what do you look to to help you stabilise your life? I think what I've been trying to do lately is spend as much time at home as I can because I find that, like, if I'm – at home, I'm less likely to actually get any work done. So, mm-hmm. which I need in my life because I'm a massive workaholic and I'm a massive, like, I need to be always connected and always on. And like, that's part of my job to, to always be connected mm-hmm. and know what's going on and kind of set the pulse and be ahead of the pulse. But at the same time, the, the mind can only take so much information in one, you know, 24 hours sitting. It's kind of got to occasionally just not know what's going on outside of home. So, I, I moved to Terrigal on the central coast, which is 30 seconds from the beach in this lovely apartment. And that was the best decision I've made in a long time. But the problem now is that I live an hour and a half away from the studio that I film at every day. So <laughs> it makes four hours of travel necessary every day. So again, it's like, I've never got this stability because I'm never bloody home. I'm only home from like 6.30 at night to like 5.30 in the morning. Will you relocate to Sydney because of work? I think I will. And it's not just because of work. I, I, I've kind of made a pact with myself that I won't make any major life decisions in relation to a particular 
job or a particular mm-hmm. work thing. I recently, um, I, I finished up full-time on the radio in July for that exact purpose because yeah. when you have a, a, a lot of full-time jobs, when you have them, you, it's more than just doing a full-time job, especially in the media field because you've always got to be connected. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's really a lifestyle change that you've got to make. And so I kind of wanted to, to work on being able to live, ha- have a life outside of what I do for work. Um, and like some parts of my life, I like integrating with work, but then some of them I'm like, okay, I need to just rest for a second. So I think moving to Sydney will help me kind of a be able to sleep more. B I can mm-hmm. go to a concert on a Thursday night and not be worried about the two and a half hour trip home and having to get up <laughs> three hours after that. Um, and I think it's just going to, yeah, I think it will add to the stability and it'll add to the, the kind of the stability that's going to help me. Absolutely. Nick, what do you do really well? That's a really good question. Um, I think what I do really well is always being exciting. And I know that sounds kind of wanky, but I feel like I always have something cool to output to the world. And I think that I don't have really a resting moment. Um, Other things I do well include talking so you can probably tell I'm going to be a good podcast guest. Um, <laughs> and I procrastinate really well as well. I get, I, get thing, I get a lot done, but I only kind of get like the bare necessities and then the absolute unnecessaries done, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Was radio something that you think you did well or do well? Yeah, man, I think it is. I think um, because because I'm a good communicator, because I'm transparent and because I've got a genuine love for pop music, um, mm-hmm. doing the kind of music radio that I did slash still do on a weekendly basis um, to feed that little bug of mine. Um, yeah, I think, I think radio was a thing I did well and I, I'm looking into ways that I can continue to have radio be a part of my life. I'm going to be um, anchoring a couple of um, little content-based shows because that's kind of where I want to head towards next if I were to return to radio on a more regular basis. Um, Yeah. And I really, I really love radio and I like the audio medium and I like that you can kind of paint a picture in someone's head without physically painting it for them. Um, Because that's been the interesting thing about doing a bit of on camera stuff lately with this Amplify project is that with radio, I'm so used to having to create a picture in someone's mind. And then all of a sudden I don't need to create that picture anymore because I can physically put pictures on the screen. So yeah, I really, I really like radio and I like the audio medium a lot. And that's why I'm doing, much like you, I'm doing an hour-long podcast every couple of weeks for um, the music website I run. So, yeah. Cool. Who painted that first picture of Nick Kelly, radio host, in your head? I reckon it was probably uh, Michael Christian, MC. He now is on Dan and Maz on Today FM. He's now mm-hmm. their anchor. Um, but he was he was in the job that I had last year. So the job that I got at 19 was mornings announcer and operations assistant at CFM on the Central Coast. He had that job when I was 12. So Gosh. he was the guy that I, because obviously I lived on the Central Coast, he was the guy yes. that I listened to and very much get inspired to, to do my own radio stuff by. And he let me come in for the first time to the radio station and hang out for a couple of hours. I was this geeky little 12-year-old with like basically – a bald head. I know it sounds ridiculous, man. Like I've been going into radio stations for for nine years now and I'm only 20. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) So good, but crazy. It's ridiculous, man. But it's, it's very, it's really, really cool, man. That like 
at age 13 and 14, all I wanted to do was be in a radio station. And then mm. at age 20, at age 19, I made the decision to leave a full-time radio job. So like it's all come full circle and it's all kind of happened and, and finished. I moved on to the next era of my life before I turned 20, which is a kind of crazy thing to think about. You've had your first career crisis at 19. <laughs> it wasn't a crisis, man. It was like, it was just a, I, I felt like I needed to turn a new leaf. I just dyed my hair blonde and I was just about <laughs> to turn 20. No, it doesn't sound like a crisis at all, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I, that's what generally, generally if you're dyeing your hair, you are going through a crisis of sorts, but dyeing my hair was one of the best decisions I ever made. Why is it, why is changing your hair color so important? I think it kind of, it gave me a bit more of a brand because I had kind of boring, you know, dark brown hair for a while. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't really anything stand out about my appearance at least because I'm not, you know, I'm not a bad looking person, but I'm also not an overly good looking person. Um, that's the part where you come in and say you are a good looking person. No, Nick, so. you're a good looking person. Thank you, Malk. Um, <laughs> and but I think, yeah, when I dyed my hair blonde and kind of let it grow out a little bit and it's, it's, it, yes. it's a different kind of shape every day. And there were a couple of articles when we launched this Amplify project that actually, you know, the first thing that people noticed about me that hadn't seen me before was my hair and my charisma and how my hair kind of also matched the charisma that I've got. Because I, I, I read one article that referred to it as um, fairy floss which I think is a really good way to describe my, my big blonde boofy thing that I've got on top That's of my awesome. head. And yeah, I think it added to my, to my brand of being a little bit left of center. A little bit big and boofy. <laughs> yes. It's the definition <laughs> of my life. <laughs> what, what is this Amplify project you're working on? So basically, man, um, Amplify started as a live event tour uh, for the 12 to 18-year-old market, and it mm-hmm. focused on bringing uh, social media talent to Australia. So uh, Troy Savan, who's got 3 million subscribers on YouTube, Connor Franta, who's got 4.5 million, like these massive, massive social stars often, uh-huh. don't, often don't get to, you know, people don't often get to experience them in a live scenario. They're often watching their videos and engaging with them on social media. So it started out as a live event for those people. But then they kind of did that live event. And because, you know, you you see with music festivals and stuff, they'll have their event and then their social media will be dead for 10 months until the next Mm. event happens. So what Amplify decided to do was kind of seize on the fact they had a very highly engaged 12 to 20 year old female audience. And they were like, let's make content that's interesting to them because, the thing about this new generation of, of content absorbers, um, aka like the YouTube generation, they yeah. are never they're never satisfied with the amount of content they're consuming. Um, and as we as we continue to consume more content as people, um, the next generation wants to consume double that amount of content. So we're wow. making three to four kind of social media news stories a day. So basically, just the things that are trending um, for a twelve to eighteen year old. And then we're also packaging in some slightly, you know, more, more depth, more deep content. So we're doing a weekly um, tech show, but it's not like a tech, like a gadget, you know, mm. geek show. It's a, it's a show that's relevant to 12 to 18 year olds that, um, you know, everything trending in apps and tech and social media and stuff and changes to the way that they communicate. Um, we're also doing Gosh. a, we, we put people um, on this, this thing called the hot seat that's sponsored by Rimmel. Um, so we give, fans one-on-one experiences with their favorite artists and stuff. And yeah, we're working out of King's Cross out of the X studio there. 
Um, mm. And it's, it's a very cool environment to be in. And the fact we've launched a world first, we did it in partnership with Twitter, um, which is pretty cool. And we launched a world first out of Sydney, wow. which is not a thing, especially in the new media space that happens very often. Australia is quite behind in terms of the way they communicate with young people. So, yeah, it's a really exciting thing to be involved with, man. And um, our kind of head honcho, Tom, is actually in the US right now doing talks to kind of get it all going over there as well. And we've only been going for six weeks. So it's crazy. Wow. How, how long before you're running new media in Australia, Nick? <laughs> I'm trying to kind of, it's cool. Gosh. I'm kind of feeling like I've got my finger in a bunch of different pies at the moment. And I feel like eventually I'll pull them all together and kind of, have my own sort of media agency. The way I kind of see it is like, I want to kind of eventually do a new age version of what Rove's kind of done with his career. Mm -hmm. Like he's had this incredible, you know, entertainment platform of different creatives coming together and he's been all over the world with it and, you know, invented new concepts across TV and online and radio and stuff and kind of, yeah, a Rove slash Ryan Seacrest style future is kind of what I what I want for myself and I just kind of think I'm not rushing into it I'm not rushing into creating my own new concepts I'm just kind of getting involved with cool you know forward-thinking people and forward-thinking brands and just yeah letting my brand grow at the same time it's it's seriously amazing Nick I've got um for, for people who have children that are coming into or just in that age bracket that Amplify is aimed at what what could parents or friends of those kids be looking out for and encouraging them towards um, to check out, you know, that, that's positive or just cool? I think I'm really passionate about people that like to empower other people and mm-hmm. kind of let everyone do what they want to do in their lives. Like when I was, when I was really, really young, like I wanted to do, you know, radio slash media in general since I was 11 or 12, obviously. And I've been yes. lucky that my parents, like they weren't, I wouldn't say support. Yes, I would say supportive, but they weren't like pushing me into this industry. They were just kind of like, "You do whatever you're passionate about." Um, and I yeah. think that I think that if parents are, you know, I don't want to tell people how to parent because I'm 20, but <laughs> if if parents kind of allow their children to kind of just chase whatever the hell interests them and kind of find a way to make a kind of business or career out of what they're interested in. Um, I think that's a really exciting space that we're heading in. And I think parents are becoming more open-minded to the the different jobs and different career paths that their children can have. And it's an exciting, it's an exciting time to exist. And it's an exciting time to be a parent, I think, because you don't really know what kids are. It's probably a scary time as well for you, but it's exciting because I feel like you don't know what's just around the corner for your kids and they could be superstars. (laughs) So it would seem, I mean, if, if a, a kid, can have four and a half million subscribers on YouTube Yeah, for just doing videos, talking about stuff and, you know, being a bit entertaining and things. That's it, man. It's, um, Goodness me. it's an exciting space to be in. And I think it's a very, it's a very empowering space. I mean, someone like Troy Sivan, who most of the population would never have heard of, but to three and a half million people, he is their absolute everything. And, you know, he's made videos wow. that a inspire, B make them feel comfortable in their own skin I mean, when I was like, when I was 13 or 14, man, I was so insecure. Like I was like, I was loving, I was doing all this radio stuff, but that was mm. kind of, that was all kind of, it was weird. When I was behind a microphone, I felt very comfortable, but at school and in life in general, I, I really didn't feel comfortable with myself. And I feel like if I had 
you know, if I, if I knew these people existed that were kind of like me, that made these YouTube videos that kind of showcase their lives, I think I'd have felt a lot more comfortable. And I know that a lot of people who are around that age at the moment really benefit from watching those kinds of people. What one thing would you change about your life today? It's a very good question. Um, man, I think the one thing I would change is the, oh, it's hard. I think clutter is a big thing for me. I think both, mm-hmm. both in terms of there are two empty Canadian club bottles on my table right in front of me right now that I need to mo- move to the bin. Um, and also in terms of, I just have like these little niggling things that I procrastinate against and put off, but they are always kind of on my mind. I think if I were able to declutter a little bit, um, I think things would be a lot easier. I think because I think that's because with the amount of um, stuff I'm putting out there to the world, I need to be clear of mind and I need to be clear in my vision and clear in what I want to be doing. And I think that whilst I've got clutter going on, it's hard to kind of focus and have that real, you know, clear goal and achieve that goal. It kind of gets, you know, obstructed from now and then. So yeah, I reckon mm-hmm. if I could be a little bit more structured and, and less cluttered in my life. I think that'd be a lot easier. How do you maintain your your diary, your planning of your life, your time management? <laughs> I'm not very good at it, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. I, I fluke it a lot. Um, I've, I think my biggest thing is being realistic about, you know, about lengths of things that lengths that things are going to take and also making sure that I place kind of blocks of free time between things Mm -hmm. a so that they can run over if they need to because I don't really I don't really like the structured kind of rigidness of of booking like a one-hour meeting or something like Mm -hmm. I think that conversation needs to flow how it will and not necessarily have a, a time limit so I think, yeah, like if you're having meetings and, and appointments and, and things like that, I think placing time between also to let your brain kind of recharge between things and, you know, mentally prepare for the next project you've got to do um, is important. And also just making sure that you kind of, I, I keep sticky notes on my laptop that I need to achieve before the end of the day and I, I want to clear sticky notes. So right now I have um, call the bank, send an invoice, uh, do a brainstorm, update my Spotify playlist. They're my things <sighs> I have to do before the end of the day. And if they're not done, I won't go to bed. So it's, yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's definitely, you know, just having a list and, and making sure you achieve those little goals in a day. How do you celebrate success? Uh, drinking way too much beer. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit. Um, I don't know, apart from that, um, I celebrate success, I suppose, by kind of doing the next thing and looking as to what the next kind of project is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like when I started, when I, when I decided that I would leave CFM and, and kind of go freelance, I was kind of like, as soon as I announced that I was doing that and kind of worked out that I was doing that, I looked into the next thing I was going to do and this Amplify project popped up out of nowhere. Sure. Um, and right now, um, even though I am having great success in, in all my fields and, you know, I've just hit 10,000 followers on Twitter, Malk, I'm chasing you. Um, oh, dude, <laughs> line up. I'm chasing everyone. <laughs> and like, yeah, like I did that, but I've got a couple of really massive things coming up. I'm doing a national radio show in October for a week. 
Um, wow. I've got some big stuff coming up in the music industry and stuff. So like, I'm always planning like a few months ahead and kind of making sure that I've always got new shit going on. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important to take the time out and go, yo, we did something really cool here. Let's celebrate for a little while. Let's have a beer. <laughs> well, it, it's important, isn't it? To, to take that moment to acknowledge stuff that you've done really good. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. I, um, I've been finding lately that I think celebratory things are so crucial to moving forward because I think it, I think everyone's kind of got these like reach for the stars kind of goals. And I think every little, every little milestone counts and it adds to the positive environment you're in. Um, yes. and it really creates a, a much more positive and uplifting kind of work environment, which makes you more productive in turn. Yeah. What can't you tolerate? <laughs> uh, fake people, fakeness and fake people. Um, mm -hmm. And the problem in my industry is that there is a lot of fakeness and a, yeah. and a lot of kind of people just trying to make themselves look cooler than they are. I think transparency is the absolute key and I think it's been really kind of um, instrumental to my success so far or whatever I would call what I've had so far. Like I just, I, I'm trying to be me hundred percent of the time and not, you know, try and do stuff to please other people and not try and create any kind of aura of something that I'm not. I'm a, you know, I'm a like, I'm a presentery kind of person, but I'm also, you know, pretty chilled out as well. And I kind of just like to keep to myself a lot of the time. I've got anxiety, I've got depression, I've got all sorts of things going on and I don't try and hide any of those. And I think that the one thing that shits me the most is seeing people when you know that they're not the person that they're trying to make out like they are, um, A, on social media and B, when you're kind of having a conversation with them. In you wanting to be Nick Kelly 100% of the time, has that cost you anything? Yeah, man. It's um, I've been in trouble a lot for the way that I kind of talk about uh, music um, because I'm so honest about it and so straight to the point and I kind of say what everyone else is thinking um, and I kind of say the, say the unspeakables, they who must <laughs> not be named. Um, yeah, I've been in trouble a lot for that. I've... I've almost lost jobs in the past because of that. Um, I I won't get into too much detail, but I almost sure. I almost lost my full time gig at CFM um, a couple of months in for a comment I made about um, an artist on a major label. Um, but, on air or just in the office? Uh, on social media. So social media has been my mm -hmm. general because social is probably the place that I'm <laughs> the most kind of you know straight to the point and honest and no filter. Yeah. Um, which is I'm probably more I'm probably more no filter on social than I am like in front of my family which, which is ridiculous <laughs> but to be I, I wouldn't I don't regret a second I don't regret a single tweet I don't regret a single thing because it's all like a, a, a thought I've had and it's it's genuine me and it's it's you know I, I'd rather be transparent than please someone so where is the line between public and private for you? I suppose it's just sometimes things don't need to be said. It's less of a, I find the balance is if I, I would never fake liking something, but mm -hmm. I'd also never ne unnecessarily, and I used to unnecessarily kind of say things that were of a negative nature and, and you know, they just didn't need to be said. And I think that's the one thing I've learned over the last couple of years is sometimes I just don't need to say things. Like if it's a thought I'm very passionate about, I'll definitely say it. But sometimes I just don't need to. Like 
for example, like watching the block, I've, I've started watching the block every now and then. And I just mm. think it's the biggest load of shit, but <laughs> I don't need to say that. Like I've said it now, but I don't need to be constantly commentating it and saying it. And it also I found that like, yeah, like I just don't want to be unnecessarily putting negative energy into the world. I think I sure. want to try and be transparent and positive is what I try and be not fake positive, but you know, transparent about the things I find positive in the world and the things that I, that help me be productive in the world. So when you're faced with the dilemma of always wanting to be authentic and and transparent about things, uh, you know, wanting to be positive about your experiences and, and the people that you meet and that sort of thing, when you're faced with the dilemma of here's a thing that isn't very good, Nick, and we need you to sell it. Oh, that's a, that's a very good one because especially in radio, you know, that comes up a fair bit. I mm-hmm. kind of, what I do in that case is I kind of just say it like, I, I kind of say it how it, how they want it sold, et cetera, et cetera. Like if, it, if it's a brand or a product or something, there's never been a product that I've talked about on the radio or whatever that like I don't, that I hate and that mm-hmm. I like have to try and pretend to be positive. But for example, we play the band Shepherd on the radio mm-hmm. a fair bit. And I hate that band with my every fiber of my being. And I, there's 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 all sorts of shit that's gone on with their management and stuff that's you know put me in a negative position with them. Anyway, whenever I have to play them on the radio, I won't necessarily go, "Yo, this new Shepherd song is amazing and this band is great." I'll just go, "Here's a Shepherd song. You might like it," and kind of leave it up to the person <laughs> I'm communicating with to make their own decision. <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> you might like it. Yeah, like we were playing in. I remember. We a Nickelback song a couple of years ago like on high rotation I have no idea why we were doing that and I, I I got in trouble because I kind of said I hate this song but I'll leave it up to you to decide if you like it and I like I thought that was me just being kind of authentic and and letting the the listener kind of decide what they want because that's exactly how I would do it it's like I don't want to get in the way of anyone else's taste or anyone else's you know things that they like just because I don't like something doesn't mean that it's not, you know, in the, in the public interest and that other people aren't going to like it. And I don't want to stand in the way of, of anyone else's enjoyment. You're a very new media person in a very old media environment when we talk about radio. It doesn't matter that FM radio has been in this country for 30-something years. Uh, you know, radio has been around for a while. But even just that FM market, there's lots of people that are working in FM that have been in it for tens of years, longer even, that, you know, this is the formula to make FM radio work, Nick. When you come in with your new media approach and, hey, I don't like it, but you might, and you say that to air, they're not going to take that really well, are they? No, and it's been interesting finding the the balance of that. And I, I've been very lucky in that the, the bosses that I've had have been quite um, new media thinking, particularly the boss I work full time under, um, a guy named Peter Yamarellis at CFM on the coast. He he's yes. just come back from seven years working as a content director in Greece. So wow. he came back and he almost had kind of a fresher take on the media industry and a, a fresher mind than I did because I'd I'd kind of been Gosh. in you know working you know, long days in radio and kind of just doing, going through the motions for a few months. And here comes this guy who's just spent seven years building brands and, and, and making amazing radio in a random country like Greece. And he's come over to Australia and like, he's just completely changed everything up and made it incredible. And it's, it was really interesting working with someone like him. 
But, you know, there's always going to be limits to where, you know, what people think about the way that I present. So it's been interesting finding the balance and I kind of, you know, because there's a certain way of presenting on a music station that, you know, you just kind of have to adhere to. You keep it tight. You keep it pretty positive and chirpy and upbeat and stuff. But I've kind of broken the seal a few times. And, you know, if I'm playing a song that's about depression or I'm playing a song that's about, for example, Ed Sheeran had a song called Small Bump, which is about losing a child. And, Mm. you know, you get serious about that kind of stuff. And I just, I think, again, it's the transparency. And I think that at the end of the day, you, you find that radio content directors appreciate realness and transparency and vulnerability more than they do you know, fakeness and, and trying to sound cool. It's such a, a crazy balance that, that you're straddled across. I'm fully impressed. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I've, I've found a really nice fit. Like the fact I'm now doing radio like once a week um, yeah. has been really cool because it means that I can just kind of go in and really put all my energy into like five hours, but then I don't have to deal with any of the politics and the bullshit once I get home yeah. because technically and contractually my my job i don't work there for the rest of the week if that makes sense you're just the weekend guy it's i'm just a weekend guy man i'm just a casual and i love it that way i'm really happy to be kind of focusing on making radio again rather than being in the radio industry if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yes what's the hardest truth you've had to deliver Mm. jesus Deliver? Explain more. Mm. What do you want out of me? <laughs> What's the most difficult thing that you've had to say to someone that you know is truth? It might be horrible news for them. It might be um, something that they are unaware of about them or in their environment or situation that you know and you've been either tasked to or you're choosing to let them know. That's a very good question. Um. Oh. I don't even know. Ah, like in life or career? It can be any any part you wish to share with us, Nick. Oh, this is this is tough. I'm like you're digging at this extra part of my soul, Steve, and it's like I, I'm I'm both uncomfortable and very excited about getting into this area of my soul. Just lay back on the couch and relax, <laughs> and tell us what you're comfortable in sharing. Oh, I literally am like legs out on a couch with my back to the wall, etc. Um I think it's probably um my 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 dad suffers from some pretty significant mental illness and mm-hmm. a lot of members of my family do and and I was living at home until January of this year and every single person bar one in that household suffered some form of mental illness because we we're living with my wow. with my grandparents who've both got dementia um and and yeah and i mean i've been very open about my mental health issues but mm-hmm. um because you know obviously my dad and my mum being 20 30 years older than me they're not as you know willing to to share with the entire world their struggles so i think honestly it's been kind of i i really kind of said to my mum and dad you know you guys aren't in a safe you know family environment and that this isn't kind of working for anyone in this environment because it's very tough living in a high stress kind of household. So I think it's delivering the truth that, that things weren't right and that things weren't okay with everything. My mum sent me a text last week because I posted a thing on Facebook about my mental health on Are You Okay Day. I was kind of like, I'm not okay at yep. the moment. 
I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm all good. I've got my friends around me and I've got positive energies. And she sent me a text and she said that she bawled her eyes out when she read that. And so I feel like anything related to mental illness in particularly my family, the people that I love the most has been the hardest kind of thing to, to talk about, but also the most also the most beneficial in the end because it opens up that conversation and it makes my family feel more comfortable about talking about their own issues, which in turn, mm-hmm. which in turn I feel makes them feel more comfortable, you know, seeking assistance and, and acknowledging that they're not okay. How do you manage uh, the, the pressures around your mental health? It's, I've, I've managed it pretty well until quite recently. So when I first got, when I first started to go downhill was when I just started working on Today FM. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was a pretty crazy couple of months. There was an opportunity to, uh, to move to another radio network that pops up. Um, and it didn't, it, it would have been exciting, but it didn't feel 100% right at the time because of how much um, Southern Cross and Stereo have kind of given to me over the years. So I, tra- I made the decision mm-hmm. to stick with them. They gave me a wonderful opportunity to to do some shifts on Today FM. And around then, as excited as I was, that excitement was generally turning into fear. And so I got put on Cymbalta, which is an anxiety medication. And mm-hmm. I started doing a little bit of psychology, not much, but I kind of went and saw my psychologist every now and then and just kind of, you know, turned over a new leaf in my life. And I've had it under control for a while, but that was two years ago. So until recently, the medication's been doing all the work it's needed to. But recently, I'm kind of finding that I feel like I'm taking the medication more for um, so that I don't get the withdrawals more than actually Mm. helping me Mm -hmm. move forward with my mental health. So I'm making the decision to kind of um, hopefully get off that medication or move to another one. And also, I feel like my mental health has moved from an anxiety kind of thing to more of a maybe a depression kind of thing. And it's not depression over any particular thing, but I do find myself in these kind of, um, my mind kind of plays tricks on me and gets me in these weird little ruts every now and then. And it's a pretty shit kind of thing when it happens, but I'm, I've had a great last five days, Steve, and I'm hoping that streak continues. Well, that's good news, Nick. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? I'm going to uh, commercialize my music website, Project U, and turn that mm-hmm. into a commercial entity. Um, I've just been, I've been made, I've made the decision over the past, it's been going for three years now, and I've really kind of been, I've had opportunities to commercialize it, but I want the content and the creative side of things to be absolutely perfect before we move that into a commercial space. And mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm at a comfortable point to do so. We've got 100,000 people coming to the site every month. We've got a really good brand around it. We've got a unique position in the Australian music writing market space. So I love that. Um, I want to get to LA for my 21st, which is next July. Nice. Um, I want to spend a few weeks over there. I want to travel more, but only like I kind of just want to travel for work. I don't want to go mm-hmm. on trips and stuff. Because I get more stressed when I'm away from work. I prefer to kind of weave work and play in mm. to my weeks. So, like, I'm going to Melbourne next uh, this Friday for two days. Yes. But, like, I will have meetings and then I'll also go clubbing that night and I'm going to see <laughs> friends. And I like to mix it all in because I get bored very easily. So, um, and apart from that, man, I just want to continue to grow my presence in the world and make more people aware of who I am because... I really like the fact that the 10,000 or so at least that I've got on Twitter, um, you know, I've got a very, very engaged audience and they're always talking back to me. And I think 
that those people that follow me appreciate my honesty and my transparency and it give mm. kind of I feel like sometimes I empower other people to be honest and I know that I've I've given people the inspiration to write about music and to do that kind of thing and yeah that's a really cool feeling and I only want to grow that and grow as a positive force and also I want to um make some more waves in the music industry and um kind of change up the thinking because I think some parts of Australian music are a little bit stale we're doing great things we've got incredible groundbreaking artists in our yeah. country but I think some parts of the industry are a little bit stuck in their way so I'm keen to um to make some waves with some very cool people and um and change it all up a little bit that's so awesome, Nick. May the waves continue to roll in, Nick. Thanks, Steve. It, it sounds I amazing. That, Mate, well, thank you so much for your time. I, I, please know that you are highly valued and the stuff that you have shared with us today is very special and, and important. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, mate. And thank you for giving me an opportunity and a platform to do so because I really, yeah, I really enjoyed talking about everything with you. And, and thank you for the challenging bloody questions, mate. That one about... The hardest conversation that was hard to get to, but you got there. <laughs> it's it's all fun and dare I say it, a part of the journey. You're clearly on Twitter, Nick. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit to? Um, my Snapchat is quite good, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's Hey Nick Kelly. So it's H E Y N I C Kelly. Um, and I I want to like. I eventually want to get all my social accounts to just be at Nick Kelly, but there's yes. this, there's this dickhead on Twitter who's got the Nick Kelly account and he's had it for nine years and he bloody has never tweeted in his life, but he logs on at least once a week. So they can't give me the Nick Kelly handle. Oh, squatters. I know he's awful. Um, my Facebook page is awful. Don't add me there. Um, and I think and my Instagram is okay, but it's nothing you can't see on Twitter. Twitter's the main place to get me. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Nick W. Kelly is indeed human. Thank you. You haven't, except we haven't actually met face to face, Steve, and we're only talking on audio at the moment. So you never know. I could be a, I could be a big troll or a unicorn or something. It's very impossible. <laughs>